Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to Lazy Doctor Who, brought to you by Lay's Potato Chips. Lay's, you can't stop at just one. I think I see where you're going with that. I wish Lay's Potato Chips was sponsoring this podcast because I love them. We could Lay's E Doctor Who. Lay's and then E. I'm E. Yeah. And then some Doctor Who. That's exactly. Yeah. We watched um, episodes two, three, and four of the War Games because we can't stop at just one with this story. Yeah. It's just, it's just so good. Like, I just, it just, you just, yeah, you can't stop eating. You just, like, you know, suddenly the whole bag is gone and you're like, where did it go? Suddenly three episodes are gone and Steven's like, let's watch another one. And I was like, I can barely, I'm so tired. I can barely remember what happened in episodes two and three. If we watch another one, I'm really not going to be able to podcast about it. So we made ourselves stop just so that we can podcast and I can sleep. Yeah. So episode two mm-hmm. uh, featured the doctor being rescued from be- almost being executed. And then they, uh, and then Jamie was captured and he got away with the help of a red coat. Yes, a red coat. That was I just I found that scene so delightful. Like Jamie seemed so genuinely happy to see somebody from his own time, even if it was a red coat. Like, you know, he didn't trust him at first, but he was he just seemed so pleased, like, oh, somebody who understands me, yeah. where I came from, even if he thinks I'm a, you know, awful rebel mm-hmm. who should be killed. But then they they band together. Yeah, fight pretty well. For a red coat, they even have a little moment. <laughs> yep, yep, that was great until you know he gets shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. That's true. So uh, yeah, but he, he gets shot in the leg, but then like who knows what ends up happening to him? Like he's just taken probably back into the military prison. He's fine. Everything's fine. At the end of the story, he'll be fine. Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then they go back to. Um, to General Smythe's headquarters, and they there's there there are like in the three episodes that we watched, like three or four, maybe even more, like oh my god moments mm-hmm. in the story. And the first oh my god moment for me is when they show the screen yeah. to uh, Carstairs and Lady Jennifer, and they don't see it. And then the moment that they do see it, and they believe yep. them, it just feels yes. I I actually like the fact that they are starting to doubt. Even even before that, mm-hmm. like even before they have the proof, like, um, you know, by the end of episode four, we know that it's it's certain, you know, particularly strong minded humans that are able to sort of shake off the conditioning. And it's obvious that Lady Jennifer and Carstairs are that type of of people. Like, I don't think it required the doctor and Zoe, um, you know, showing them the screen. Eventually, I think they would have come mm-hmm. come out of it themselves because they're starting to question and they're, you know, asking each other. And, and I think the two of them being together is really helpful for that as well because they're talking back and forth and, you know, that's what's getting them concentrating on their surroundings and, and this, you know, ridiculous kangaroo court that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so then once they're, they're really primed for the proof, and then once they get it, you're like, wow. Um, I think the oh my God moment for me was uh, when the mysterious capsule just appears in his office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, is that when the soldiers come out? No, it isn't. Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's when Smythe goes in, yep. basically, and then he disappears. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then Ransom runs in and goes, oh, no, he's gone after that meeting, of course. I love the way the door slides open on that capsule. I just, that is such a wonderful, wonderful piece of design. And it's just black on the outside. 
uh, I love it so much. And this door in the middle, which uh, yep. which adequately hides anyone who's sort of hiding off offset because they need to run through there because it's bigger on the inside. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Just just a delightful piece of of set design. Yeah, Roger Cheverly, I think, is the designer of this. One of the more way out design, like you know, design of inside the TARDIS as well, and and it. Right. That? It's not a TARDIS. We don't know what it's called yet. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure they call them. They may. They might call them Sid Rats on screen once. Yeah. I can't remember now, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I also love the inside, like the, all that plastic. The mm. like, you know, it looks like shower curtains, but cool. Yeah. And the funky glasses and the just like so much like plastic stuff. I don't even know what to call. You know, like when the Doctor and Zoe are standing there. And the students kind of walk past them and don't really take notice of them. They're standing in between these things. They're like sort of parabolic <laughs> pieces of plastic mm-hmm. and that, you know, have like corners of them. And then later when Zoe's trying to run away just before she gets caught, like it's a big three-dimensional type set where she's walking down a uh, um, a ramp of some sort. And and yeah, and then, you know, just the, the first time that you see, like, it's just like a smash cut to boom, here you are, future future technology. Yeah, the, and we get a hint of it because when when the doctor shows Lady Jennifer and Carstairs the screen, yes. he goes, oh, it's switched on. And that's another moment for me where, like, we see it from the end of who's seeing the, the mm-hmm. camera and it's General Smythe looking through some map. map on glass or something, but we don't actually see where... He's at at that point. Nope. And then when they do crash into that, mm-hmm. uh, we actually see them. Whoa, it's like some space headquarters somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's it's Space HQ. Yeah. And then and then the war chief comes on. He's got his own entrance noise and stuff. Oh my god! He doesn't have entrance music. It's not like you know when you're on when you're on the Tonight Show, you get played on with some entrance music. He has an entrance alarm. Yeah. There's an alarm every time he walks into a room, which I feel like would get really irritating. But for now, it's very cool. Yeah, and he struts in. I like how he sort of pushes one of the guards' rifles aside. He sort of he sort of makes his makes his presence felt. Yeah, it's like he's a he's the coolest cat in the room, like a like a really hip lounge singer from the 70s yeah. and he's got like his you know his his outfit with his great big chain and just you know, his sideburns and his perfectly quaffed hair and mm-hmm. just he just like i don't know i wish i had the right word for the way that he because saying that he struts in is not quite right like he just oozes into the room he glides yeah yeah he's just he's just got this style like he's he is in charge but he's in charge in a smooth way, like butter. Yeah, Edward Brayshaw, who we saw previously in the Reign of Terror. I don't know if you know he he took a shine to Barbara and she to he before she found out that he was some sort of murderer or something like that. Yeah, and oh, felt yeah. betrayed. I remember that. No, I did. I did not realize that was him. I mean, you probably told me that was him, but right now I didn't remember that that was him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also recognize uh, another previous appearance. Um, well, a Pat Gorman was one of the soldiers who shot at uh, Patrick Troughton's doctor in the early parts of the second. Time. But I recognize the medallion that the war chief is wearing. It's very distinctive. And I thought, wait a second. I don't know why I point- didn't pick this out before. It's the same medallion that Zephon, one of the delegates in the Daleks Master Plan, wore in episode two, Day of Armageddon. I sort of like, wait a second. And so I was frantically Googling uh, Dal- Day of, uh, sorry, Daleks Master Plan delegates, something, something. I finally found Zephon, and sure enough, exact same prop three years later. Wow. So what is your headcanon to uh, tie that to- together? 
Does it have some sort of meaning? Well, uh, I, I know you um, you said last episode that uh, you would try not to worry about spoilers because it's tough to talk about the war games episode by episode without yeah. knowing what's coming at the end. Um, so Time Lords are coming. Um, and so my um, guess is that uh, Zephon in um, Dalek's master plan was also a renegade Time Lord. <laughs> Ooh, you heard it here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So speaking speaking of Time Lords, uh, and yeah, we are just going to be spoilery right now because it's hard to talk about that amazing scene, um, which is one of my favorite moments in the entirety of the history of Doctor Who. When you, yours too, my too. I think I know which one you're going to talk about too. Mm-hmm. I hope it's the same one. Yeah, I, it probably is. Yeah. Um, a lot of people love it. And it's when, uh, so, so first of all, the entire scene mm-hmm. I really, really like where the doctor and Zoe are like, just sort of shoved into this room because they're late for the, like, I, I love it when, okay, the doctor's so excited to be undercover mm-hmm. and in his, he's happy with those glasses and he just grabs Zoe's hand and let's investigate and see what yeah. we can find. He's just so excited about that. And then mm-hmm. I love moments where they're just mistaken for people who are supposed to be there. Like yeah. that just, when anytime that happens in Doctor Who, that makes me very happy. So like, yeah, get in there you're late for the lecture so they get in and they sit down and they watch and of course it's this terrible contraption that's being used to brainwash all of the soldiers and then you know to to ratchet the tension up a notch we find out it's car stairs that's going to be used as the uh as the the subject and oh like you know the doctor is motioning to him don't don't tell anybody and he's he trusts the doctor so he doesn't and what does he get for his trust in the doctor? He gets completely brainwashed and the doctor's like, oh, we can help him later. What if he was wrong? <laughs> what if that was just the doctor and Zoe watching Carstairs have, you know, his his very humanity like swished away? However, he was able to overcome it once before. So I suppose the doctor has a pretty good educated guess that, yeah. uh, that they can do something about it. And he does a great job at like fooling Vernon Dobchev's scientist into showing him how to yeah. set up the thing to reverse the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, because yeah, because it doesn't work because he's pointing at the, at the doctor and Zoe being like German spies, German yeah. spies, and that is a, a lovely piece of of doctor doctorishness. You know, very similar to the way that he blustered his blustered himself into the military prison, mm-hmm. pretending that he was from the war office trying to do an inspection. Um, so, so a couple of of good instances of of the doctor being the doctor um yeah and then uh and then after that we suddenly hear entrance alarms again so it's like what's happening what's oh it's just it's just the entrance alarm (laughs) yeah so it's just the war chief uh you know sliding on into the room which is totally okay totally fine but for some reason the doctor like he 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 does keep lifting up the uh the glasses throughout the scene uh, uh, several times so it's not totally weird that he has them off and up on his head i think he likes to see everything as clearly as possible and yeah they uh they lock eyes that you know the um vernon job checks scientist says yes i was actually being helped out by one of the students that fellow over there and he points and they look and they look and you know he looks at the doctor and the doctor looks back at the war chief and something passes between them and we don't know what it is and immediately the doctor says zoe run with just there are two moments that we just watched that really have the doctor freaking out this is one of them Mm -hmm. and the other one is when they're inside 
the uh, the capsule it's bigger on the inside than on the outside and um, you know is always asking so who else can who can travel in time and space like like you do and the doctor's just sort of muttering well I, I have an idea but I, I really I really hope and he just sort of trails off and he's nervous mm-hmm. and here in this later scene he's scared yeah. and that's like you don't see the doctor scared and nervous on that level very often so this is really intense yeah I, I love Troughton like plays it like super intense and you know it's Zoe Ryan and like they you know it's it's you could tell it's a big thing without saying anything but also kudos to Edward Brayshaw also recognizing it and just stop them like you could tell this is a massive step forward in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's just, and I mean, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't necessarily recognize just how massive it is. Mm. But uh, now, in retrospect, and certainly, but even just by the end of the story, you recognize like, whoa, this is this is a this is a moment, a capital M moment mm-hmm. in Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, back to Vernon Dobchak, who who I, I will save this for for the next episode because he says one of the most important lines in in Doctor Who history in episode five, I think it is, or episode six. Um, but what I like about his character is that he is just this no nonsense, no nonsense scientist, just going about his business. You know, oh, here's what we do: we post us the prisoners, and then we blah, blah, blah. You know, he's very matter of fact about this horrific war effort that they're putting on, which kind of makes him even worse. He's very much a pure science scientist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he is just in it. He's there for the science, and it's you know, he's not thinking about should this be used, why should we do it, any of the ethics behind it. He just wants, you know, is it possible? If it is we should do it like that's 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 his style which is yeah it's it's icky he's not pure evil he's sort of like complacent evil yeah which is the worst kind of evil really well there's lots of bad kinds of evil yeah. so he's he's up there um let's see what else happened uh they they eventually get oh there's a cliffhanger of course where they looks like they're escaping then they then they drive into this mist that had been hinted at in conversations earlier from between Jennifer and uh, and and Carstairs and then all of a sudden it's Romans and there's a cliffhanger and they back out and there's all this like sort of running around I think an, another moment for me I think it was episode three it might have been four where suddenly the um the soldier who rescues um, Lady Jennifer and Jamie from the barn. We find out he's he's in he's in. There's a resistance movement, yes. which I thought, whoa, there's a resistance movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just another layer. Also, how cool is it that like he is a black soldier, yeah. and you know, it seems like he's probably from Civil War times, or he stole a uh, stole a uniform. But it, I suspect I, that, that I think he was from Civil War. Yeah, based on the accent too. Yep. Yeah, that, that's what I figured. And uh, and yeah, and like, it's just matter of fact, like we've had a lot of black actors in this show who have gotten to not speak or when they do speak, they don't get to say very much or um, their character is really underwritten. And this guy seems perfectly on top of things. He's the first person that they run into that has any idea of what's actually happening and is pretty competent in, in managing to rescue them to a point. Just yeah. just like every other time they get rescued or escape from some mm-hmm. place in this story, they end up getting caught again. Um, so that was that was very nice. I mean, you do, you do have um, 
what's the uh the german slash uh revolutionary war guy or sorry civil war guys oh, like von white white or him anyway, anyway james yeah. garfield i think his name is mm. yeah, yeah he, so he does re- he does refer to him as boy which i mean the fact that he is playing a civil war um, confederate general makes perfect sense within the context so i don't have a, i don't have a, a, a problem with that um he, but everybody else just treats him like oh you're the guy with the information yeah please share he, he also goes on to t- call jamie that's true. Boy as well. Yeah. Yep, which I think is perfect. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's pretty great. I wonder if it was actually like a um, a, a particular piece of casting to sort of make him the, the first resistance member we see and the mm-hmm. fact that he is, you know, a black man fighting for the Union mm-hmm. uh, um, against the South. You know, if there's there are tie-ins there, I'm, I'm wondering if, if Doctor Who was woke enough in 1969 <laughs> to, to consider that when they were casting. Yeah, because they certainly haven't done a great job casting people of color for anything else too much so far. I mean, we have uh, Ping Cho in um, Marco Polo. In Marco Polo, yeah, uh, and you know, a couple other instances here and there, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot. So here and here we do. And he's actually he's quite a good actor. Yeah. I really like his character and sort of his demeanor, especially the way that he uh, sort of comes back at um, at you know Mr. Monocle. Is what that's what I'm gonna yeah. call him, Mr. Monocle. We call him um, Neva. He's in uh, the Face of Evil later in, in his Doctor Who life. Yeah. Ah, okay. That yeah. that okay. Now that now I know he looks yeah. so familiar to me. Um, but well, yeah, oddly enough, with Leslie Schofield, who plays his uh, his second in command of the um, rebels in this very same episode. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but no, but how you know, Mr. Monocle is looking at him and saying, "You blah blah blah. Tell me where they are, or whatever." And he's like, that doesn't work on yeah. me. You just oh, so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 God, I know his first name's Rudolph. I think I can't remember his last name, but I've seen him in many a thing. I think he was a regular on Thin Blue Line, that mm-hmm. sitcom with Rowan Atkinson mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s, 90s. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the 90s. Yeah, he was in that. So that's where I know him from. Also, but I think it's been a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. I, this might be an early role from. I'm not too sure. Like Leslie Schofield. Hmm. Well, good because he's he's really good. I'm not surprised that yeah. he went on to have a uh, a successful career. I mentioned Leslie Schofield because he was in the Faces of Evil, but he was also supremely evil in the second episode of Blake Seven in the first season, oh. Spacefall. Oh, he's such a bastard! <laughs> wow, he's so bad, and he's so good in it that it's it's. Uh, so he's become one of my favorite actors. Whenever I say he's also in Star Wars too. By the way, same year, 1977. Has face of evil. So, wow, uh, who is he in Star Wars? He is a um, he is the the lieutenant or whoever that uh, he's in a couple scenes, but he's the one that tells Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, you know, we've read your uh, your escape capsule. Mm. In a moment of triumph, I think you overestimate their odds, and of course he didn't. So, if Leslie Schofield was listened to, we'd have a Grand Moff Tarkin in future films. <laughs> Oh, for Leslie Schofield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, I hope I'm getting his name right. I'm pretty sure it's Leslie Schofield. But. Well, if not, we'll find out yeah. one so, way or the other. Sometimes this episode turns into an episode of the memory cheats with <laughs> me trying to remember actors' names. But yeah. Well, I certainly don't know actors' names. That's that's for gosh darn sure. Gosh darn sure. Um what else about all this crazy I I, I you know, I, I mentioned the you can't stop at just one. The in 1969, sadly, the the ratings were hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging 
for the show and the and the story because I don't think people were accustomed to watching 10-part stories mm. and having to stick with it and stuff. So it, it dips pretty low by the end of it. Um, I find it now, I think the sort of the, the renaissance of this story has sort of coincided with the ability to binge it. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like a lot of six part stories do not sit well mm-hmm. with watching in one go. But this one being the page turner that it is, is just like it's made for binge watching. Yeah, you know, you're right. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. But but like, you know, something like the Space Pirates, I think mm-hmm. it it benefited from watching a little bit stretched out. Whereas here, yeah, I don't want to stop in the middle. And if I had to wait a week in between each episode it would you know i would still enjoy it i think but i think the experience of consuming it mm. would be a lot less intense right and yeah this is uh, terence Dix managed to write a very bingeable piece of television and malcolm hulk and malcolm hulk yes um back before that was that was a thing yeah because now i'm just i'm thinking about like all of the stuff that happens and the longer it goes the more episodes the more pieces like moving pieces that you sort of have to keep track of and be able to remember and you know 10 weeks is like that's that's several months Mm -hmm. so to be able to try to remember what happened in in episode one and two like where we came from how we got to the place that we are two months down the road is that's a pretty tall order so I guess I can kind of you know as sad as it makes my heart that people were jumping off and and not watching all the way to the end uh i do get it i definitely do get it so so yeah binge this story that's what that's what i say yeah and it's an entirely different you know it's 10 parts dalek's master plan was 12 parts but dalek's master plan feels like a chase through time a big giant like daleks are coming after the doctor because he's got the special box um that he needs back but this there are you know the doctor and zoe are in the in the headquarters of of the war chief and everyone finding out information there whereas Jamie and Lady Jennifer are part of the resistance and forming that so there are multiple different threads of the story that are all you know very important um and th- that's why it doesn't feel like it's really long because there's always something else sort of happening that uh, that you know makes makes it interesting yeah you're right it's not it's not a chase like the chase or like the Daleks master plan where they're you know going from from one place to the next to the next and and you know like I I absolutely love the keys of Marinus Mm -hmm. but that is very much a you know here's a little adventure here then we go someplace else and have an adventure and someplace else and have an adventure and you know somebody's somebody's after us like that kind of thing fun kind of story I like that but I think that type of story maybe benefits from the breaks in between whereas this is really actually quite contained Mm. um the heightened action is coming from learning more and more information in every single episode like you get it's like an onion you you're peeling off one layer of the onion and like oh there's something else inside Mm -hmm. now we need to turn around and go back to headquarters because now we need a map okay now we've got the map Ooh, look what information that has given us We've just peeled off another layer and discovered there's a blank spot in the middle. We got to get to there. So then we're going to, you know, hop in our vehicle and, and try to head in that direction. And, you know, then, oh, oh, we just peeled off another layer because, look, there's there's a, a resistance. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that was happening either. So it's just layer inside layer inside layer. Yeah. And like just twist and turn and mm-hmm. corner. And um, it's it's just lovely. I just quite enjoy the story so much. 
Um, I was going to have another thing to say. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, it just didn't, you know, it, it, it's sort of, it's self-contained. Um, but so it, it's kind of left up to different parts of the story, like the music, for instance, which is something I never really noticed before, but like there's the sort of the theme, you know, and the music through the first three episodes, which are sort of the pre-recorded themes that Dudley Simpson makes. And then as after Lady Jennifer and Jamie escape from the barn and they're running around, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we hear a new music theme, which is the theme of the resistance. Mm-hmm. So like there's a whole, like there's actually a music suite going on here as well, sort of telling the story, which I think is quite clever. And also just the, you know, sort of uh, baseline ambient sound of yeah. different different places because, well, specifically mm-hmm. the, uh, the HQ in the middle yeah. has the very futuristic space, you know, hum, buzz, like mm-hmm. th- the sound of ventilators or whatever it is. It's yeah. just, it sounds like, oh, suddenly we're in the future and there's machinery going where you don't get that in, during Civil War times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's not just the music, which is also quite good, but it's the whole sound escape yeah. of of the war games which yeah. is which is really cool it differentiates it without having to be blatantly <laughs> i've mixed up blatantly and patently <laughs> and blatantly uh <laughs> obvious that um now i've lost my train of thought but no you're right it does it's 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 it's, it's a subtle way of differentiating mm-hmm. between um you know place and time yeah it's cool yeah mm-hmm. Ah, boy, what an end of an era this story is. We've got six more episodes to go, mm-hmm. and then we've got Spearhead from Space, the first Pertwee story, mm-hmm. and then we'll be up to where you need to watch for Verity. Mm-hmm. And then we can sort of gear back a little bit, I think, in our in our lazy doc- non-lazy Doctor Who pursuit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, until we get on to the next uh, season seven episode that I need to watch for Verity. Oh, but yeah, but by that point, I think we'll be... Like we'll only we all have seven episodes we could watch yep. at our own leisure and stuff. So yep, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I look I look forward to getting back to lazy lazy Doctor Who. But I'm also enjoying just what because you know there there were some weeks there where we wouldn't watch. There's sometimes a whole month would pass before we did episodes. So I'm I'm happy to be watching Doctor Who again on a regular basis with you. Well, I do like watching Doctor Who on a regular basis with you. I just don't like having to. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Especially since I haven't been feeling particularly tip top in the brain chemistry department. So it's been it's been a little it's been a little tough. I really really wanted to give this story like my all in terms of of being able to just gush about it. And I feel like it, I've done an okay job, but if I was if I was in even sort of better mental health, I would be even more excited and flaily, which actually might be a bad thing for the podcast because I'd be talking even faster and my voice would probably be two octaves higher and I would just be squeaking and I wouldn't be able to form words because I was so happy and excited. So maybe this period of not so great brain chemistry is actually a decent thing for the podcast. I'm trying to find the silver lining. Well, you haven't you haven't sounded lethargic or sleepy <laughs> or slow talking mm-hmm. here in, in, in my uh, mm-hmm. assessment of the situation. Okay. Well, like I said, then it's probably good that that I was uh, dialed back a couple of notches because otherwise my exuberance over over this story may have well just you know burned out the microphone. We just got a new microphone, so I hope you don't burn it out. <laughs> yeah, I better not. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, is that it? Anything else about these three episodes? Oh my god, I'm sure we could come up with many more things. Um, this is the story is so good. I encourage you, if you like it as much as we do, to search out other podcasts that have also covered this story because there are 
bits and pieces and moments and layers and just you know there's no way that any podcast can actually hit all of those so I think it's wonderful to just have a buffet of different podcasts to go and listen to like I would recommend um, Doctor Who the Writer's Room yeah. did a, just a wonderful job of, of breaking this down from a writing perspective so they're not necessarily talking about the acting or the uh, or the direction or anything quite as much but it's a uh, it's a really really good listen and I think we covered it for Verity because um, I think that's why I watched it in the first place. So there are um, there are lots of lots of wonderful podcasts to listen to talk about this. Yeah, I think I think I've talked about it. For, well, memory cheats. Uh, there's been uh, the David Maloney mini scope that we did many 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 years ago. Who directed this course and Malcolm Hulk on Radio Free Scarrow. Radio Free Scarrow. Um, yeah, and now we're talking about it here. So I'll never not talk about the war games. Yeah, pretty much. Like I've I've made it my mission in life to talk about. There's a few things mm-hmm. um, on as many podcasts as possible. Yeah. The movie Labyrinth, <laughs> right. which I have talked about on I think at least four podcasts now, maybe five. Yeah. Um, the Rebus Operation, because it is my favorite Doctor Who story of all time right. in my heart. And no one else is going to talk about it because it's so underrated. Shut up. And uh, and this. And this, I haven't like I. This is this is sort of like the most recent addition to my to my list. But yeah, I. Uh, if you want me to go in your podcast and talk about the war games, um, it, you know my schedule's pretty full, but still ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll make you'll make room later on in the spring or summer yep. to talk about the war games or years down the road, whenever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So I I'm going to just keep talking and talking until you until you make me stop. Well, I'll make you stop now then. You didn't do a very good job. You're you're supposed to say the magic word that ends the podcast. I'll say it now then. (laughs) You're just teasing me. Okay, I'll find something else to talk about. Lady Jennifer is so awesome. I wanted to talk about Lady Jennifer. Oh, did you? I did. I I forgot about that. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to throw this out there. Um, This might be blasphemous in some ways. You know who she reminds me of? Uh -uh. Julie Andrews. (gasps) <gasps> she's totally got a Julie Andrews yeah. vibe. That's not blasphemous at all. Because well, she's Mary Poppins and mm-hmm. you seem to think highly of her. Yeah, no, I well, I think very highly of Mary Poppins and Julie Andrews and Jane Sherwin, who right. plays Lady Jennifer. I think she's I think she's great. She's she's got that sort of prim and proper British mm-hmm. like stiff upper lip chin up. Yeah. Even when Carstairs was left behind, mm-hmm. um, and she's just like, oh, where's Lieutenant Carstairs? Where's Carstairs? And they say, oh, he he stayed behind to cover for us. And her response is just like, oh my, or something like that. She's a little more crestfallen, but like, <laughs> but still, right. still stiff upper lip though. Yeah, she, I mean, she's definitely not happy about it, yeah. but it's but she doesn't like freak out and be like, oh, we got to go back for him or anything. Mm-hmm. She's just she is all business. Yeah. She's like we are, we're gonna do what we need to do. She's she's in the military too, and and she's she's doing what she which she needs to and um and i also love that she is the one that really is first thinking about the uh the trial and how it didn't make sense and she's the one that's sort of poking car stairs to be like think about it really you know like did you really feel like that was that was a fair thing and yeah she's yeah i stand her yeah uh you know what you know i i also got a vibe from those two in episode two especially ian and barbara oh yeah you know, they they do sort of interact like they just they feel like 
a matched pair. Yeah. Like there's just a team from the beginning in this really comfortable and naturalistic way that you just you just wouldn't even think of them being apart. Like they just belong together. Yeah. And we saw them and they're like they never met before he came upon the the ambulance in the in no man's land. Yep. Yep. And they just, you know, and you could say, oh, well, they, they bonded over the fact that they sort of didn't remember things. and, mm-hmm. But that's not what that scene felt like. It didn't feel like a sort of like, oh, this is the first act of a romantic comedy and mm-hmm. they're, they're falling for each other. No, they just immediately fell into this camaraderie that was so, I just keep wanting to say natural. There's probably mm-hmm. another word that works too, but... Um, but it's just it's there from the beginning and they are a pair they are a unit just yeah i like the ian and barbara comparison because Mm -hmm. that's exactly how i feel about them and yet the sad thing is is that once we saw carstairs uh, hold off the soldiers as the uh, ambulance sped off Mm -hmm. we don't see lady jennifer and carstairs together again they are separated for the entire rest of the story. Yeah, but then there's, you know, the the time after the story where you can headcanon in whatever you want. I hope so, because at the very end, you know, because uh, spoilers, you know, when Car- we'll probably talk about this when Car says, I'd rather like to go find Lady Jennifer. And, mm-hmm. and then, but then he disappears before he does. And like you would hope that perhaps they were transported back to the World War One zone and they survived and they were like in the same area and... There's got to be some fanfic or big finish spinoff about Lady Jennifer and Carstairs because that's just too lovely a story to pass up. Yep, for sure. I mean, like if if we know they get sent back to their home and uh, if they survive, you know, they're going to be looking for each other because nobody else is going to understand what they went through. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think they would have remembered anyway. Because remember, the Time Lords probably erased their memories like they would um, as we talk about episode 10. Yeah. <laughs> Here we yeah. Total, total spoiler. Oh, yeah. you're right. I had f- forgotten about that. Mm. Tragic. God, this story just gets more and more tragic the more I think about it. But it's really good. It's so good. Oh, it might be the best story of the 1960s at the very least. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so. I really think so. Oh, and you also mentioned the doctor running. <laughs> When he runs from after Zoe undies him at the uh, at the uh, sh- shooting gallery, yeah, where he's going to be executed. Yeah, the post. And then he sort of like gallops off, and the, his run. Uh, I, I must commend the makers of Lego Dimensions who made the uh, Doctor Who um, world in it, because they have Troughton's character, a uh, Doctor rather, in Lego form, run very much like he did there. They nailed his run in Lego form. Uh, that was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about the plot and Lady Jennifer and Carstairs and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's a good story for the doctor mm-hmm. and Jamie and Zoe too. Jamie gets to do lots of fighting. You know, he's paired off with Lady Jennifer for a yeah. while. Zoe and the doctor are just like, a lot is made of Jamie and the doctor because they are a fantastic pair. Like mm-hmm. there's no question about that, but I don't think people give quite enough credit to the Dr. Zoe relationship mm-hmm. because they don't have as much on screen time together, together, but here we get it. And I just think it's, it is delightful just the way that they the way that they interact and the way that they're just you know the doctor is the excited schoolboy who wants to run around and investigate mm-hmm. and Zoe's she's into it yeah. but she's also like you know trying to to dial him back a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's a it's a nice dynamic I like it when the companion has to hold the doctor back a little bit because he's so um, so enthusiastic right and and you know she is in in her element a little more in. You know, in the um, 
the headquarters, I guess, the futuristic headquarters. And Jamie is much more in his element yeah. in the war zones and stuff, being a soldier again. Like they're each, you know, it's it's not easy for them, but I think it, it makes it such a, a nice fit without having to, you know, Zoe can sort of understand and converse with the doctor about what they're mm-hmm. seeing. And the same goes for, for Jamie and Lady Jennifer. Yeah, it totally plays to their strengths as mm-hmm. characters. That's a, a really good choice in terms of the in terms of the writing yeah it's nice to see that and we also had a really nice uh, jamie and zoe scene too when they are <laughs> captured in the german yeah. camp and like some soldier comes by and just randomly hands out like you know the helmets with the spike on the yeah. top and they put them on and then like a bomb comes close and you know they they jump and yeah. zoe like ends up with one of her legs over jamie's yes. and they're like clinging yeah that's that that tardis team clings like no other tardis team ever mm-hmm. it's wonderful it is mm-hmm. We could talk all night about this story. <laughs> we really could. Yeah. Well, we've got six more episodes to watch, so that's true. That is, um, I'm just gonna be happy that we've got so much, so much ahead of us. That's six more episodes. Is like that's an entire story for for many, or more than a story for lots of doctors. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, I in in to prevent us from talking even more about the story and reveal stuff <laughs> that's to come, I will say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>